Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Aren't you thankful that his hand is mighty? We don't serve a weak God. We don't serve a hopeless God. We don't serve a maybe God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God with a mighty hand. And it says that if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse seven, casting all your care upon him. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This word care uh, is actually the same word that's translated throughout the Bible. Uh, in, in other places, you might see the word worry. The word worry. Uh, in other places, you might see the word anxiety. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 tells us to be anxious for what? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And now he's saying to cast your care. Notice that he doesn't say to cast the problem. He doesn't say cast your sickness upon me because I care for you. Cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. Cast your financial problem on me. He doesn't say cast the problem. He's saying cast the care of the problem. No, you know this just as well as I do that really the care can be more dangerous than the actual problem. Anybody ever notice that? That I will worry myself sick. I will get myself in such a position of worry, in such a position of anxiety, such a position of care, that that will actually pose a greater threat to me than the actual issue itself. It's the cares of the world that we have to be careful of. Uh, and, and so he's saying to cast your care. Uh, Cast or, or, or care, I'm sorry, care means this. It means to distract. It means to divide. It means to distract. And it means to divide. Same for the word worry. The word worry, the actual Greek definition for the word worry means to divide into parts. It means to, to it, what, what it gives the connotation of is that I am separating my thinking and you know, I'm, I'm split in two ways. To, to give care or to be worried or to be anxious about something means that my mind is, is, is not grounded. It's not fixed. It's not stable. But it's actually uh, what James calls a double-minded man. And, and he says that a double-minded man, let, let not a double-minded man believe that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because we're not fixated. God needs your full attention. And God's word needs your full attention. And so what the enemy is after, we've said this before, since the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. 
I said, since the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. Death by distraction. Death by division. The enemy loves to divide. The enemy loves to separate. The enemy loves to take what God has created that is one, that is whole, and divide it and separate. It's the first thing he did in the Garden of Eden was bring a what? Distraction to God's word. Do not eat of the tree. If you eat of the tree uh, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And so what's, what, what, what's his attack? to distract from God's word. Did he really say, that's a distraction, that's a care, that's an anxiety, that, that's how worry works in your life. The worry is not the actual thing, the care is not the actual problem, the actual struggle, but it is the, the care and the worry and the anxiety of the problem that distracts you and keeps you from standing on God's word. You know that if you stay remained, uh, if you remain fixed and grounded in God's word, you shall see it come to pass. You shall see it come to pass. If you'll confess God's word, do you know that you can get God's word in your mouth? I like to put it this way, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. <laughs> God's word in your mouth is it will produce the same results. It will produce what the word of God says. If you can get God's word in your mouth, but what's the enemy wanna do? He wants to distract or confuse your communication. And so then you start saying stuff that's actually contrary to the word rather than what is in line with the word. The word confess means to agree. It means agreement. Confession means agreement. So when I'm confessing God's word, this is what I'm doing. I'm saying, I agree with you, God. I agree that by his stripes, I'm healed. I agree. I agree with that. You're coming into alignment. You're coming into agreement. You're becoming what? One, but the enemy wants to separate your confession. He wants to separate your communication. Why? So that you won't see the results of it. All the power is in the word, but if you don't stay plugged into it and connected to it, then it cannot produce the results. No more than if I were to uh, take you know, this guitar amp back here that's plugged into the ground here, plugged into this stage. If I were to disconnect it from the power source, guess what? We're not, getting any, we're not getting any sound. And it's got all the power in it. The stage has all the power in it. The guitar amp has all the, all the little tubes and all the buttons and all the things that would make the speaker work and make the sound work. But without a connection, we become disconnected by distraction. That's what the enemy wants to do. So he's saying to cast your care on him. What we care about, we become distracted by. What we care about, we become distracted by. So where I put my care, what I place my care on, have you ever noticed that it's impossible 
to worry about something without giving it your attention. That's impossible. It's impossible to remain worried about something if you don't constantly give it your attention. And so that's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to bombard your mind and bombard your thoughts and ultimately get into your mouth and then you start acting. You ever seen someone that acts sick and they believe that they're sick, but there's really nothing wrong with them? They, they get around somebody at work with the flu and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they start acting like they've got the flu. Oh, you know, I'm just kind of feeling, ain't nothing wrong with you, man. You are 100%. Get back to work. What are you doing? You're not going home. You're not going anywhere. But they just, they, they, they start to act it out. They, they start confessing it. Man, I'm just not feeling good. Look at, look at my throat. You see? Okay, weirdo, get away from me. Nothing wrong with you. But it's our cares. It's our cares. Ultimately, this is what God is saying. He's saying, I can do something with your cares that you can't. He's saying, I can do something with your cares that you can't. He says, cast your cares on me. He must be qualified to take my cares. He must be qualified to handle my cares. He must be qualified. He's saying, he's saying, I give me those cares. Bring them to me. Leave them with me. I'll take care of it. Just put it right here on my desk. Put it on the, the inbox, whatever. Give me your cares because I can do something with them that you can't. I've had a, a hard time in my life telling myself, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Have you ever told somebody, don't worry about it? That's the last thing somebody that's worrying about something wants to hear. Just don't worry about it. Well, he's not saying just don't worry about it. He's saying, bring them to me. Put them in my hands. Put them in my life. I can do something with those cares that you can't. I'm qualified to handle them. You're not. That's not your burden. That's not your problem. He's saying, cast your cares on me. So the care can many times do more damage than the actual thing. Over in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 22... Matthew 13, verse 22, this is the parable of the sower. And there's, remember, there's four different types of soil that the seed of the word of God lands on. When Jesus goes back and he interprets this parable uh, to his disciples, his disciples come and say, what was that whole story? What was that whole sower mess you're talking about? Tell us what, what you mean. And so he said, okay, well, the sower sows the word. And he says in verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. People that care or worry or anxious, it's not that they haven't heard the word. It's just that they're not focused on the word. It's not that they haven't heard it. It's not even many times that they don't know it. 
I've helped a lot of people with, with struggles and issues and people have helped me with my struggles and issues where I knew exactly what they were gonna tell me before they told me. In fact, I could tell them the verses that I needed to be standing on. Ever been in that position? It's a reminder. But he says that the seed lands among the thorns. This is the one that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he what? Becomes unfruitful, unproductive. The word then does not produce the results that we know there's nothing wrong with the seed. Inside the seed is a tree. Inside a seed is the tree that can then bear fruit that can give you the, the, the sustenance and the supplement that you need, that you planted that tree for. It can bear it. It's not the seed's problem. It's the soil problem. We don't have a seed problem. I'm gonna tell you right now, this word still works 2,000 years later. This word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same verse that you could have stood on 20 years ago is the same verse you can stand on today and it will work 20 years from now, 100 years from now, 2,000 years from now. This word isn't going anywhere. This word will produce results when it is placed in an environment conducive for its growth and development. That's what the word can do. But many times, the word gets sown into us, placed within us, and ends up unproductive because of we've got something going on that's choking it out. It's trying to produce. It's trying to come up. It's trying to come out. But there's thorns and there's stuff that's choking it down. We've got stuff. We've got cares, anxieties, worries in our lives. That is what? keeping the word from producing the results that we know it can produce, that God said it can produce, that the word promises us it can produce. And so we've got to, we've got to take care of the choke factor. We've got to take care of the choke issue. What's choking the word of God in your life? What cares do you have that are choking out the word? that's keeping it from coming up through the soil, breaking through the soil and producing in our lives. So we've got to take care of this. You've got to take care of the environment that you put the word of God in. This is the thing. When you care about what you can't change, you become careless with what you can change. I'll say that again. When you care about what you can't change, when you care about what you cannot change, we be neglect what we do have power with what we can change. We neglect what we do have power over. I may not have power over the world, but I do have power over its effect on me. I may not have power over other people, but I do have power over how I respond to other people. Come on. 
I don't have power over tomorrow's situations, but I do have power over my response to the situations. I may not have power over everything, but what I do have power, I've got to begin to take charge of. I've got to begin to be responsible with. I've got to begin to to recognize what I can change and let go of what I cannot change. But when I care about what I cannot change, I become careless with what I can. I neglect what I do have power over because I'm trying to operate with a power over something that is not within my realm. Again, this is why he says, cast your cares. Cast your cares. They're in the wrong hands. Put them in my hands. Put them in my hands. Philippians chapter four, verse six. We mentioned it earlier. We'll go ahead and look at it. Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four and verse six. Look, the reason, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be a caring person, right? You want to be a caring person. But what is it that we're caring for? What is it that we're caring, what, what is it that we're caring about? What is it that, are, are, are we controlling our cares or, our, or are our cares consuming us? There's a difference. There's a difference. In Philippians chapter four, verse six, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God. He wants to trade you. He wants to swap out your cares your anxiety for what? His peace and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Again, this word anxious is the word worry. It means to divide into parts. And so he is saying, I want you to trade your caring for casting. I want you to, Trade your caring for casting. You know, when you see someone that is a great, uh, when, when, when you see someone that operates very, very well in worry and anxiety, if you are someone that's a great worrier, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're a world-class worrier, you know who you are. You know who you are. Some of you have no problem admitting it either. Some of y'all have no problem. You are, you are bold about your ability to worry. I, come on, I, I, I know people. 
I, I just, I, I, I just worry. I just worry too much. I, I just worry all the time. Worried about everything. Worried about every little, you know, uh, 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 their kids and, and their finances and, 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 you know, where they're going to eat and just, just consumed by anxiety. And we've covered this before that if you can be really good at caring, you can be really good at casting. If you can be really good at doubting, you can be really good at believing. What I want you to see is that it, it's the same effort, just in the wrong direction. It's the same effort. Worry is faith in reverse. Worry is just faith in the wrong thing. <laughs> Come on now. Have you ever heard uh, people say about atheists, it, it actually takes more faith to not believe the Bible than it does to just believe it? You ever heard that? It actually takes more faith to believe that there isn't a God than there, I mean, it's easier. You might as well just believe, it's easier. Some of us are, are exercising incredible amounts of faith that it won't happen, <laughs> and God's word clearly outlines that it will, and it would actually take less faith, faith of a mustard seed, Jesus said, faith of a child, Jesus said. God's not making it hard to believe his word. God is not making it difficult to stand on the promises that he's given us. God isn't, isn't dangling a carrot out over and then backing up saying, come get it, come get it. He's saying, it's here. It's all for you. Just believe. He that will believe in his heart without doubting and say to this mountain. When I see someone that's a really good worrier, I see someone that can move mountains if they would just reverse their, their faith in the right direction. Worry isn't the opposite of faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. You're actually, actually exercising um, immense amounts of faith in believing that it won't happen. Believing that you will get sick. Believing that you won't make it. Believing that the finances won't come through. It, it, if you could just reverse it in the other direction and say, well, you know, since I'm believing anyways, since I'm exerting all this energy, since I'm putting forth all this faith, I might as well just put the faith in God's word. I might as well just believe that his word is true like, it, like his word says it is and just watch him work his word and make it come to pass. If you're great at caring, you can be great at casting. In fact, this message is for those that are really good at worrying, really good at doubting. You're professionals because the greater you are in that realm tells me that if you can believe that, you can believe this. Come on now. If you can believe that the worst is always gonna happen, then you can believe that the best has already happened and that God is just working it out in your life. You know, all this stuff is past tense. 
Ephesians chapter one tells us that, that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Have been, past tense. That's done. Why are we using so much faith for something that hasn't even happened yet, but I can't apply my faith for something that already has happened and I'm just waiting to see it manifest in my life? You're putting more faith in believing that you may have cancer, but why don't we believe in the healing that was already provided 2,000 years ago when Jesus' back was ripped open, stripes were placed on his back. Why am I putting more doubt in what may happen than putting faith in what has happened? And that's what the enemy wants to do, is he wants to conflict. He cannot destroy you, therefore he must distract you. He cannot go back in time and take the stripes off of Jesus' back. Trust me, if he could, he would. If, if the Bible says if they would have known, they would have never crucified Christ. They would have never put him on the cross. If the devil knew what was really happening in that moment, he would have made sure Jesus lived a long life, comfortable, if he would have known. The enemy can't change the past. And he can't change your future. Only you can. Only you can. So we have to recognize that if we can be great at caring, then we can be great at casting. I want to give you four steps today. Four steps to casting your cares. Four steps to changing where See, where you put your faith is where you see results. Where you put your faith is where you see results. And you gotta, you gotta be like, I have to do with my son. Does that go there? So I have to tell Camden that probably every day of my life for about the next 12 years. Does that go there? Does that belong there? No? Where'd the shoes go? In the closet. Where'd the Legos go? In the Lego bucket. I mean, come on. I'm not asking you to put it in a particular place. There's a huge bucket that the Legos go in. Put them inside of that. Not on the ground where I can step, step on them at two o'clock in the morning. Does that go there? So you need to, you need to ask yourself, does my faith go there? Because it's up to you. You put it where you want. And where you put it is where you'll, get, where you'll produce results. Where you fix your faith is where you see results. So let's learn how to cast this morning. The first one, number one, first step to casting is correct. Correct. Correction. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. So there's a qualifier. 
That statement right there tells me a couple things. Number one, it tells me that there's a qualifier for what follows. I have to have been raised with Christ. Do I have any raised with Christ? People in the house today. If not, we can get you raised with Christ because that's where it starts. You gotta be raised with him if you wanna think like him. But he says, if then you were raised with Christ. And so the second thing this verse tells me is that there was another way of thinking. That people that are raised with Christ and people that are not raised with Christ think differently. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. That tells me that if I'm not raised with Christ, I can't seek those things that are above. So look, if God went through all the work in altering my life, changing my life, bringing me out of darkness into light, then I need to take the responsibility to change my thinking in line for where he's raised me. If I've been raised with Christ, then I need to get my thinking elevated with Christ. Hello? God's not coming down to my thinking. I've got to come up to his. His ways are higher. His, His thoughts are higher. Yes, they are. Go to them. Be thankful that his thoughts are higher. Be thankful that his ways are higher. And now get your thinking elevated with, he says that we can have the mind of Christ. The Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That's a position of authority. It's a position of of power. Verse two says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So if he's gonna correct my life, I need to correct my thinking. If he's gonna correct my life spiritually, then I need to correct my life naturally by thinking in line with his word. Come on. If you're thinking below the word, if you're thinking below Christ, then you're thinking sub par to what God has brought you to. If then you were raised with Christ, elevate your thinking. Don't think like the rest of the world. They have to think that way. They have to think with despair. They have to think with discouragement. They have to think with hopelessness, but you don't. If then you were raised with Christ, think on, ele- think on an elevated level where Christ is. Raise your thinking. So I've got to correct my thinking. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I've got to correct my thinking. I've got to make a correction. Look, I I will not change my life until I change my mind. I will not change my life until I change my mind. I've got to change my thinking. I've got to correct my thinking. Look at your neighbor, tell him, change your mind. Tell him, change your mind. Now look at the second choice and tell him, you're the second choice. And say, change your mind. See, how you see changes what you see. How you see changes what you see. You know, the, the, the correct terminology for contact lenses, I wear contact lenses and glasses if I uh, uh, am particularly itchy that day. 
uh, due to allergies and the yellow stuff that you see around here. Uh, I'll have to put on some eyeglasses. What do they call those? Corrective lenses. What are they designed to do? They are designed to correct my vision. It doesn't change what's actually there. It changes how I see what is actually there. I don't put on glasses and then all of a sudden my wife's in front of me. She's been in front of me the whole time. But now I put on my glasses and I can see her completely, clearly, with clarity. I can, the road's always been there, but now I can see clearly the road that has always been in front of me. And so I've got to correct my lens by changing my thinking. We all have lenses in life. As you go through life, we accumulate lenses and you decide which ones you want to put on. What lenses do I want to put on today? What, 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 what corrective lens do I want to? And some of us are, are using lenses that are outdated. They've expired. That's old way of thinking. That's an old way of seeing. I did that one time. I just, you know, in a hurry, grabbed a pair of glasses, put them on, and, uh, you know, didn't work out as well. Why? Because they were expired. I had elevated my prescription. And so now as I'm, see, look, you, you, you start seeing some things in the word of God and you've learned some things being at Anchor Faith Church for a little while. And then you want to start putting on the old lenses that you used to have from the old church and from grandma's church and from what so-and-so said. No, 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 no. You got to get the lens that is up to date with what you've learned with the revelation. Don't live below the revelation that God God has shown you. You need the most up-to-date version of the lens that God has. If he's revealed to you that by his stripes you are healed and that divine healing is yours, why are you going back to, well, I guess he's trying to teach me something. That lens is outdated. That lens doesn't work anymore. You've got a revelation of God's word now that tells you something else and no wonder we're not seeing the results of of the word of God in our lives when we're wearing the wrong lens. The first step to casting is correction. I need to correct my thinking, correct my lens because how I see determines what I see. And it's not that it's not there. It's not that it hasn't been there the whole time, but I haven't seen it for what it is. Got to learn to see it the way God sees it. That's what he means when he says, set your mind on things above. What's he saying? He's saying, you got to see it the way I see it. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Do you see it how I see it? There's so many times in God's word, look, the, the, the stories, the, the, the things that we read about in this Bible, these individuals did not know that they were making history. They did not know they were walking in faith. They did not know that they were gonna one day be placed in the word of God in the moment. That widow woman, when she turned over that last cake to Elijah, 
when she said, we're gonna make this, me and my son, we're gonna eat it and we're gonna die. That's an outdated, expired lens because God showed up with the revelation and said, if you'll feed the prophet, I'll take care of you until this famine is gone. Right in front of her the whole time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fire, being thrown into the fire and saying, we're gonna trust in God rather than, than bow down to man. That's a lens. Joshua and Caleb going into the promised land. How did they have a different lens than the 10 other spies that went in and saw the same thing? They saw the same thing, but their lens did not allow them to see it how Joshua and Caleb saw it. You may not be able to choose the situation, but you can choose the lens. Correct your lens. Correct your lens. Number two, number two, allow. Allow. Yeah, that's really what he means when he says, cast your cares on me. Is allow. Allow me to take care of it. It's amazing the things that we don't allow God to do, the things that he wants to do, but we won't allow him to do. Well, that sounds weird. That sounds like I'm in charge of God. No, you're not in charge of God, but, but you have to appropriate his word. And there's many times, look, what's the opposite of allow? To hinder. There's many times that we hinder God from doing what he's promised us in his word. We simply disallow Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Matthew chapter six, you've seen this verse before, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, in this verse, we've got two individuals that are stated. Seek first belongs to you, us as the recipient of the word, And then it says what? And all these things shall be added to you. Well, who's doing the adding? God. Who's doing the seeking? We are. But how many times do we get the roles reversed? We're too busy adding rather than seeking. I'm too busy trying to make it happen for myself rather than doing what God has asked me to do and allowing God to do what he said he would do. And see, the thing is, is God can't do what he said he would do until we do what he told us to do, what he commanded us to do. You do your part, he'll do his part. Come on, we know how to share. We know how to, we know how to do our job and what is, what is someone else's job. But, but we want to be in the adding, and so then we neglect the seeking. When you're too busy adding, it will compromise your seeking. That's kind of what my wife was talking about in the ladies' night a couple weeks ago. We're so task-driven in our culture today. We're so occupied with doing this right, doing this right, doing this right, getting this done, going here, taking the kids here, doing this, doing that, paying this, uh, uh, you know, working to get this done. We're so busy adding that there is no time for seeking. 
She used the picture of uh, Mary and Martha before Jesus. And what was Mary doing? Mary was seated at Jesus' feet. Martha, what's she doing? She's busy getting dinner ready. Uh, you realize 12 guys and Jesus just walked up into our house off the road and just expect me to? And it's funny because it actually states that Martha opened up her home and now she's complaining about having to serve the men that she opened up her home to. And so she ain't getting nothing from Mary. Well, Mary's what? Seeking. Martha's what? Adding. And Jesus said, well, Mary's chosen the better. How many times are we so busy adding that if we would just take, we, I'm telling you right now, God can do more in five minutes of seeking than you can do in five days of adding. Five months of adding. Five years of adding. God knows how to redeem the time. God knows how to make it happen way quicker and much better, much faster, much more efficient than you can if we would learn to take the time to seek. Now, it does not mean that we just sit back and just rest in his presence and, and, and you know, just we never do anything, never get anything done, you know, just become lazy bums. That's not what that's saying. I'll be honest with you, out of the two, Mary and Martha, I want Martha on my team. I don't want Mary on my team. Mary's just sitting around. Can I get another word? Can I, can I be in service today, pastor? No, Martha's getting it done. Martha's greeting at the door. Martha's playing on the stage. Martha's back in Nautilus with the kids. Martha's getting work done. But you've got to learn when am I Uh, occupied with doing what God told me to do and hearing from God so I can then go do what he told me to do. There's a seeking, there's an adding. And so we've got to allow. There's so many times, I know we don't think of it that way. Well, I'm not allowing God to do his part, but that's what we're doing. We wouldn't communicate that way. We wouldn't think of it that way. But by not following his, his plan, he's got a template here. He says, cast your cares. Cast your cares. We do the seeking. He does the adding. It even goes on to say in verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. He's literally telling you, what not to do. He's telling you what is not in your court. Amen. You getting something. Number three, learning how to cast our cares. Number three, submit. Submit, submission. Submission. Look, if I'm gonna allow God to do it, and that means I have to submit to his way of doing it. Many times our uh, limitation of allowing God to work in our lives is just up until the point that I'm no longer comfortable with how he's doing it. <laughs> God, I wanna, I wanna give this over. I wanna cast this care, but I don't like how you're taking care of it. You're taking too long. 
you're using the wrong people, you're asking too much of me, uh, you know, whatever that is. And so then we draw the line and then we what? We come out from under submission to his plan, submission to his way of doing things. But we've got to submit. James chapter four, James chapter four in verse seven says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God and resisting the devil are the same position. I don't have to come down here. All right, I'm submitting to God. Okay, now I got to come over here and now I'm resisting the devil. If I'm submitted to God, I'm resisting the devil. It's the same position. I've got to put my life, I've got to put my agenda, I've got to put my ideas, I've got to put my will, my plans, my purposes. I've got to put it all in his hands and submit it to God. If I'm going to cast my cares, if you're going to cast your cares, you're going to have to learn to submit to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. If you want God to be in charge, you must be in submission. If you want God to be in charge, you must be in submission. I, 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 I you know, it, it's just funny to me, some of the statements that we come up with over time in church, and, and one of them is this statement, you've probably heard it before, probably like me have even said it at times, God is in control. Oh, God, we want God to be in control of what we want him to be in control of. We, have you ever noticed, like it's not really that God's in control if I'm determining what he controls. <laughs> I want God to control my addictions. I want God to control uh, uh, the people that bother me. I want God to control getting a, getting a good parking spot at the mall. I want God to control all these things that make my life easy. But do when, when you recognize that God really is in control, then you'll let him control the stuff that is uncomfortable. You'll let him control the stuff that is, uh, you know, brings discomfort, the stuff that makes you uneasy, the, the things that well, may actually make life difficult. That's when you really understand if God is in control. How are you gonna say God is in control, but my life isn't submitted to him? How am I gonna say, well, God's in control when the storm comes, But then when everything's going great, all of a sudden you're in control. For God to really be in control means that he's in control. Means that you don't pick and choose when he's in control. And again, we would never say I'm telling God when he's in control, but we sure do tell God when we submit to his control. That's the same thing. If you're gonna pick and choose and, and, and determine what you think you can hand over to God and what you think you can take care of on, on your own, then he's not in control. Then he's not Lord. But to submit to God means that I put my full trust and full control 
over to him. Let go and let God, right? Well, then we have to give him full control, not just of the stuff that we don't wanna handle, not just of the stuff that we think, okay, God, I can't do this one anymore, so I need you. We call, we call God in like a pinch hitter, like a pinch runner. We call God in like he's a substitute for us when we can't do it anymore. What kind of thought process is that? Is that really casting our cares? No. No. He says that we must humble ourselves there in 1 Peter chapter 5 that we read. Humble means realizing you can't do it all. That's what that means. When you humble yourself, you're recognizing, I need this. Submission to God begins with recognizing that you need God. Submission to God and submission to his plan and submission to his will is recognizing that I cannot do this, get this done, cannot move forward without you. It's not a tolerance of God, it's a dependence on God. I said it's not a tolerance of God. Okay, God, you can come in now. Right? Our prayer lives uh, uh, really do a great job of reflecting how much we submit to his plan and his will. Can I just say that? That step on some toes? Our prayer life, your prayer life, really reflects how much of God you think you need in your life. How do I know that? Because it's amazing how our prayer life increases <laughs> the second we get into problems and struggles and issues that are so far beyond us. And ultimately what really happens is our prayer life becomes a last resort, not a first priority. We go to prayer after we've tried everything else. We go to prayer after we've been everywhere else. We go to prayer after we've consulted with the mortgage guy. We go to, the, we go to prayer after we've talked to the three different doctors. We go to prayer after we've consulted with friends. We go to prayer after we posted it on Facebook. Prayer is the last thing we do, not the first thing we do. No, our prayer life should and does reflect the level of submission and control that you give to God. So we should have an increase in our prayer life. Amen. Our humility is recognizing my limits. Our humility is recognizing our limits. When I become humble, when I humble myself to God, I'm recognizing that I come to you with limitations. I'm casting my care because I recognize I'm limited in my ability to carry my care. So why am I still trying to carry what I should be casting? Come on. The last one, number four, is trust. Trust. I mean, isn't that what faith is? My faith in God reveals my trust in God, trust in his plan, trust in his process, trust in the fact that he will make it come to pass. Trusting in him. The question I have is, are you 
handling it or are you handing it? Are you handing it over to God or are you handling it? You ever, ever had someone say, I'll handle it, I'll handle it. You ever said that to somebody? I'll, I'll handle it. Don't worry, I, I'll, I'll handle it. Well, God's not asking you to handle it. He's asking you to hand it. Hand it over to him. Cast your cares on God. In fact, these four steps show us how to cast. I mean, I made it, I made it real easy for you. The four words I gave you spell the word cast. Look at that. Some of y'all figured it out halfway through. Oh man, the light bulbs are popping all over the place. I just woke everybody back up. They're like, whoa, whoa, what did I miss? Come on now. We've got to learn to cast our cares. It begins with correcting our lens, correcting our thinking. How I see changes what I see. I've got to allow God to work in my life. I've got to recognize what I do, what I'm capable of, worship team if you come, and what God is supposed to be doing. I will do the seeking, but he will do the adding. I've got to submit, submit my plan, my will, my agendas, my ideas. I've got to submit to him. If God really is in control, then I'm submitting all that I am to him. It's recognizing my limitations. And then lastly, I've got to trust in him. Am I handling it or am I handing it? Come on, anybody this morning want to get really good at casting? Anybody with me this morning that says, I need to quit caring and I need to start casting. I need to quit being careless with what I can do and start becoming careful with what I can do. Come on now. Come on, this, it, it really is easy. It really is simple. God's not trying to make this difficult, guys. Anxiety, worries, concerns, cares, they come to all of us. There's not, if you're breathing, you have, an, you have opportunities for anxiety. I'm not just talking to those that maybe a doctor's diagnosed you. I'm not just talking to those that have a clinical terminology of it. I'm not just, talk, I'm talking about the daily cares of life. But he said this, he said, cast your cares on what? On me, because what? I care. He cares. I said, he cares. I said, he cares. There's not one thing in your life that goes by unnoticed to him. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything about your life before you even walk it out. He's already determined and placed the steps before you. And he's just asking you to trust him with the next step. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time 
right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.